You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and thank you for checking out the Coming In For A Landing podcast. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, uh, and I just want to let everyone know that they need to subscribe, rate, uh, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, a great slew of podcasts we have, uh, so please check them all out. And uh, today I have a special guest, somebody who is taking on a, a much bigger role at Liberty Ballers, and I am very excited about it because I think he does a hell of a job, which is why I decided to give him a bigger role. But anyway, I um, want to thank Jackson Frank so much for coming on today. Jackson, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate the kind words. I'm excited to uh, talk about some uh, Sixers basketball. You know, I have my own podcast over Blue Wire, but it's been a while since I talked about actual Sixers basketball. It's been a lot of speculation and Ben Simmons talking when I'm excited to talk about actual things that happened on a basketball court. I will say it, it, that even though the game obviously did not go uh, great, particularly from a Sixers perspective, it was nice just from, like you said, to actually talk about basketball, analyze basketball, actually analyze basketball games and not um, sift through Ben Simmons rumors and, and nuggets. And that was, yeah, a, a very nice change. And like, I, you know, you say that too. And, I just discussed the agenda with you before we popped on and I didn't even think to, to say anything about Ben Simmons rumors, which is hilarious to me. Cause that's how much, I guess I don't want to talk about it, but I guess off the top, we should at least address it a little bit and um, kind of talk about the, the latest things that have come out. Uh, one uh, a report, um, you know, there's been some rumors about Indiana being a possible destination. I know Ian Begley mentioned, um, Karis LeVert being a name that has been brought up. Uh, and then also Kyle Newbeck uh, for, from the Philly Voice is reporting that uh, Ben Simmons' camp basically is uh, wondering about a, a way to recoup fines that are currently accruing uh, for Ben Simmons holding out. And basically that is not a thing. You don't get to recoup that. So that um, is an interesting thing. On the same day that Ben Simmons reportedly puts up his $3.1 million condo in Philadelphia for sale. Maybe you could connect those dots. Maybe not, but um, I guess Jackson, uh, we, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Cause like I said, let's talk. I want to talk about Sixers basketball. I want to talk about um, the game that was played, but um, Indiana, Karis Levert, um, any, does any of that do anything for you in any way? Uh, Karis, not so much. Um, I think he's a guy who can be pretty aesthetically pleasing to watch with his ability to get in the lane and he's a pretty fun passer, but I'm not huge on him as an actual high-impact creator. I think he settles for a lot of tough shots. The defense isn't great. He's never been a very good three-point shooter. Um, I'd be more interested in a package from Indiana revolving around Malcolm Brogdon and T.J. Warren. Unfortunately, you know, T.J. Warren is you know still out with a, with a foot injury, which makes things tough. He's also you know a, a pending free agent after this year. 
Um, but a Levert led package, and I'm sure, like I'm sure, some other key rotation player or maybe you know one of the starters from Indiana would have to be involved. But you know, Levert as a headliner didn't didn't do a ton for me, and I can't imagine it does a ton for the Sixers just based on some of the reporting. You know, that it seemed like they they're willing to play play this out and you know see how long you know, Ben Sims is willing to. Uh, you know, stay away from NBA basketball. And their goal is to find a, you know, a, a star level, you know, creator, whether that's Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, and, you know, uh, Karis LeVert just doesn't meet that criteria. And, you know, I don't think Malcolm Brogdon meets it either. I think he's a very, he's a better player than LeVert, but I, I think they're probably shooting for a little higher aspirations given kind of where they are with, with Joel Embiid and how good he is and kind of the goals they should have for a player as good as him. Definitely. I, I think the term I've probably overused throughout this Ben Simmons saga is like in a vacuum. I like said player um, like in a vacuum. I do like Kyrie Silver. Uh, and I think he would be a, a pretty intriguing fit on the Sixers and with Joel Embiid. But as you kind of already alluded to, as far as a headliner, as far as a value for Ben Simmons. No, I, I don't think that does anything for the Sixers. And I even think um, you know, as, as someone else speculated, you know, hit, throwing in Malcolm Brogdon with him, I still, I don't think that does it for them either. Um, you know, from the people I've spoken to, it just seems the Sixers are, are really, I mean, it, it's, they're steadfast, man. Like it's, we are going to make a move that's going to make us a championship team or we're not going to make any move. And, you know, just to put it plainly, Karis LeVert and or Malcolm Brogdon, it just, I, I don't think it does enough for the Sixers. I don't think they have an appetite to make that move. So as much as, again, both those players in a vacuum, sure, I like them. Uh, you mentioned TJ Warren. That's another guy, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, uh, the health issues that, you know, he's gone through because I do, I love his game. And I think he's another guy that I think is a very intriguing fit on the Sixers as a perimeter creator on the wing and a guy that I think would have played very well with Joel Embiid, but just his health, you really can't, uh, you know, it, it's hard to really see what his value is right now when we don't even know if he's going to be healthy to start the season. It appears that that will not be the case. So, yeah, I, 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 I think it is like you already talked about. It's, it, it's, it's a high level player or bust for them at this point. Like they, they are, they would sooner hold, hold on. And like, to me, I, I unless something changes drastically between now and the trade deadline, I think the trade deadline is the next time that we're going to see talks really pick up because it's just the worst time to trade guys. Everybody thinks their team is good. Uh, Chicago, like you talked, you know, Zach Levine, Chicago thinks they're really good right now. They think they can compete for one of the top spots in the East. Uh, can they, I, I tend to not think so, but you know, and maybe that becomes more of a realization as the season goes on. Um, you, you know, Bradley Beal, that Washington team, again, they think they're better. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. I think that's a great pickup. Is that enough to, make them any better than a playing team. I, I don't feel good about that. So, you know, I, I think Daryl Morey knows that this is not a good time to trade players. And I think he's comfortable. He's, he's been comfortable waiting this long. Um, I think he's comfortable waiting for as long as it takes uh, at this point, but yeah, let's talk about basketball Jackson. Cause I, I, I do want to, I do want to note though, you know, you mentioned kind of the season of optimism. I think that also applies to the Sixers, right? Like, like right now it may, yeah. it, you can totally say, okay, we're going to wait, you know, we're going to wait up and we're going to, Hope we can get off to a fast start with our schedule, but maybe maybe the pressure mounts a little bit if they start eight and seven or nine and six. You know, last year they got off to a great start; they were pretty much top the East for the entire year. Um, that's not necessarily a given this season, so I'm curious if that. You know, I, I agree with you; it, it goes both ways. But I'll, you know, I will, you know, we saw kind of the first the first shoe drop in the Sixers camp or the Simmons camp uh, or Simmons representatives and whatnot uh, when they they didn't get money or they got fined for a missing preseason game. 
I'm curious, like when does you know when does the realization set in for the Sixers that oh our you know our second best you know maybe our third best player apparently maybe Tobias uh, is not is not here and we're a worse team without him. So um, definitely it definitely matters for maybe teams the Sixers are trying to negotiate with, but also matters for the Sixers themselves. So uh, I am curious to kind of see how how that unfolds the Sixers maybe get off to a, a suboptimal start, which was not the case last year. So it has, you know Morey doesn't have that experience under you know as, as Sixers you know present in basketball operations. That's an excellent point because we, we don't know how it's going to read. I mean, it, up to this point, um, Daryl Morey has kind of been like maniacally patient with it. Like he really is just in no hurry. And um, so far, I think you have to say that, that that's probably been the right strategy, depending on what, you know, from what we've seen of the offers that are out there. I, there's been nothing to me that I'd say like, oh man, I think Daryl Morey is kind of foolish for not taking that. I mean, I haven't seen anything that's really blown me over. So uh, it seems like that's been the right move, but you're right. I mean, if they, if they get off to a bad start, does that put more pressure on them? Um, you know, I think as of right now, Joel Embiid really trusts Daryl Morey. I think that's critically important. Uh, so how long before Joel Embiid maybe gets a little antsy knowing that he doesn't have, you know, he, you know, he's still relatively young, but this is his prime and, and you really, considering everything in the context of his career, you, you really want to take advantage of his prime. So um, yeah. I mean, what point does that, you know, d- does it get uncomfortable in that regard where maybe they're, you know, maybe Tyrese Maxey isn't quite fitting, you know, isn't quite grasping the whole point guard role a- as well as it hope. And they don't really have another option, um, uh, which we're going to discuss, you know, Tyrese Maxey and shake Milton in a little bit more depth in a moment, but yeah, uh, uh, it's, it, it, it's it's not black and white from the Sixers standpoint at all. I mean, they, they, it's it, it's going to get very tricky if they do get off to a poor start, um, unlike last year when they got off to a great start. But um, yeah, transitioning to, you know, the, the game Monday night, for the most part, not very pretty um, from a Sixers perspective. I thought the Raptors just, I thought they had a lot, of, a lot more juice on top of perhaps, you know, being maybe a little bit more prepared, a little bit more up. And they, I just thought they were more up for that game. You could tell it meant a lot to them to be back in their building. And they have a lot of young, exciting players. Uh, as Doc Rivers talked about, a lot of long, uh, young, exciting players. Um, that it's, it's an interesting team that Toronto is building um, as they kind of do their, you don't want to call it a rebuild because they still do have some pretty prominent players, but a re- retooling, if you will. They have some intriguing pieces uh, to go for that fit really well with what Nick Nurse does there. But the two players that really stood out to me the most, and I think anyone who watched the game would agree, um, you know, Andre Drummond and his Sixers debut, so to speak, and and Seth Curry. And uh, we'll start with, with Andre Drummond. I know you and I, a lot of people kind of view this, uh, you know, and uh, Sean Kennedy wrote about it, today the idea that we a lot of people thought it was a one for one at ah, Dwight Howard Andre Drummond they're the kind of the same player but I think you and I were both in the camp of like no this this is an upgrade um uh, Andre Drummond is a better player than Dwight Howard uh, especially at, at at you know this point in both of their careers so I guess just um just first of all like what, what did you see out of him on Monday and then like where are the areas where you look at you look at what Dwight brought to them last year. You look at what Andre could potentially bring to them this year. Where do you see those areas where Andre can 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 provide an upgrade in that position as the backup five? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, through the Sixers lens specifically, you know, Doc is going to run a lot of bench heavy or sometimes all bench lineups. And I think Andre, you know, gives them more, you know, versatility and flexibility, you know, offensively in that regard. 
Uh, you know, Dwight is a pretty good finisher last year. He had his, he had his times where he'd fumble lobs and, you know, set illegal screens and all those things. But um, Andre, you know, isn't the same type of finisher, but much better passer can do more with the ball in his hands, even if it's not as much as he thinks he can do at times, which we saw a little bit in the second half, uh, you know, when he played briefly against the Raptors on Monday. But um, I like that part. I think he's a little, I think he's, I, like, he's not a, I don't think he's a great drop defender, you know, in pick and rolls, but I think he's a little more, you know, versatile since you can play him aggressively. You can let him use his quick hands to force turnovers, which, you know, helps the offense. If you can get out and run, you're more likely to score, you know, score a bucket in the open floor than you are in a half court setting. So I like that. Um, you know, they both bring kind of the offensive rebounding prowess, um, you know, which carries over. They both are prone to a, in a heightened sense of confidence, their ball skills, Dwight more so than Drummond. Um, that's a great know, way to uh, put it by the way a heightened <laughs> sense of confidence <laughs> i was trying to i was trying to figure out how to, to phrase it in a that's a, diplomatic that's good yeah <laughs> um but, but yeah i think those those are the big things there i mean they're both kind of mistake prone but i think you know with those mistakes comes a comes a greater end out the outcomes are greater in drummond's case than they are with dwight um you know they're different offensively but i think the passing is an advantage the ability to create turnovers defensively is useful um i think he's a better dribble handoff guy you know the Sixers obviously love to run dribble handoffs with usually with joel um as the trigger man and you know going back to jj reddick as the guard now seth curry sometimes tobias um i think you're going to see some probably a lot of tobias plus four bench guys again like we saw last season and i think you know drummond is a better complement there um, you know, he's not, again, he's not a great finisher, but he can get off the ground. You saw a nice, you know, finish. I think he and shake had a nice side pick and roll in the first half on Monday. So, um, that's where I think the upgrades come. Uh, I, I, I think it's mostly offense, even if they're different players, but, um, you know, a lot of people talk about harp on Drummond's, you know, inability to finish effectively, but I would like to be, I would like to find the numbers like on a given possession, right? Cause sometimes he misses two or three laps and finally scores and like, yeah, you go one for three at the rim, but you know, in the grand scheme, you go one for one. So um those are where i think drum is an upgrade and again it's, it's important to note he's only going to play you know 14 you know 8 to 14 minutes sometimes he'll play more when joel's out which is you know going to be the case because joel needs a little bit of maintenance but um i definitely think he's, he's an upgrade you know talent wise and i don't know how much it's going to be impact wise but definitely a better player than dwight in my eyes yeah and, and i think um you know we already saw uh, he hit three backdoor passes one to seth um uh, one to shake, I think, and then one to Isaiah Joe. And there were three, it's just three passes that you watch and you're like, yeah, Dw- Dwight Howard simply can't make that pass. Um, he can't. Um, and it's just, it's going to add an extra element, especially, you know, as you kind of already talked about, Doc loves those all bench units. And if he's going to go to that, um, you know, I thought at times last year, the offense got really, really stagnant when, when that group was out there. Um, mm-hmm. So to have a big man that, can at least and he also found I think it was he found George Niang at one point or was it George I can't remember who it was he found somebody for a wide open corner three at one point too which again it's just mm-hmm. those little things that I I don't think Dwight is capable of um and that I think Andre can he can find those guys and you know yeah 100 like he's he's he has to stay within himself he has to play his role he can't try to do too much because that's when he gets himself into trouble and Doc even talked about the fact that he thought he was tired in the second half. And that's part mm-hmm. of the, cause he didn't expect, he wasn't anticipating him to play in the second half. Um, and that might've been part of the reason for the turnovers. And maybe that's why he got a little, you know, reckless trying to do too much, um, you know, while being tired. But I, and I, you know, you're, you, I agree with the, the idea of like DHOs. I mean, as, as long as he is again, playing within the, the, the constructs of the offense, I, I feel pretty confident of, about his ability in, in that regard. And I think too, I think, 
he like clearly him and Doc have have a previous relationship. Doc's known him since he was in high school, and he really wanted to come here to play for Doc. Um, I he, I think he went as far as the other night and said, yeah, he literally wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now. Um, which says a lot considering he's backing up arguably the best center in the league. Um, and, and knows his role won't be as big. Um, for him to say that, it's a pretty big statement. And with that said, I think too, like Doc will rein in his uh, heightened confidence with the basketball from time to time. And you know, I, I think I think Andre will listen. I think Andre is going to be receptive to Doc's coaching. Um, and let's be real too. I think Andre has a lot to gain by doing that, right? I mean, if he really solidifies himself this year and does a really like when Joel, as you talked about too, Joel's going to miss time. He's going to get Andre's going to get his opportunities. He's going to get chances to start games. So mm-hmm. if he does his thing and, and plays his role and plays it really well, he's on a minimum contract for one year uh, this year. He could play himself into a nice, he's still only 28 too, which boggles my mind. Um, so he'll be 29 years old going into free agency next year. So if he can convince another team, um, that, you know, he, he can fit into that role and do that and star in that. Um, it, he might get some opportunities in the offseason. And I thought, too, something that Doc brought up um, it, during training camp that stood out, I he looks like he's in really good shape, which is not to say that I think he was necessarily in bad shape last year, but I think he is in really good shape right now. And I think that was noticeable, too, um, you know, early on in that game. Uh, but to get to the other player who I thought, you know, really, really showed out. Um, and especially in the second quarter, I thought he hit a couple, um, uh, you know, pull up threes that were very aggressive in nature, then went on to attack a few closeouts and finish at the rim. Seth Curry, I thought was very good. And I, you know, it, it, it made, it's one preseason game. It's, it's one, you know, a little snippet, but it made you feel pretty good that the player we saw in the playoffs, that aggressive version of Seth Curry, we saw um, could translate, could, you know, come over into this season. So I guess, from your perspective, Jackson, just what you saw out of Seth uh, on Monday, and if you're kind of feeling the same way that you, you think he can um, bring o- it's, it wasn't just a hot playoff run, like he can actually bring that over into this regular season. Yeah, I think, you know, what I'm looking for, I mean, I agree that the aggressiveness that we saw in that playoff run was still there. I am curious to kind of see if he feels the need to deter, you know, defer it all, excuse me, you know, when Tobias and Jarrell are back in the lineup because he was, you know, the best player in that lineup, right, or the best player on the team. Um, you know, here, Danny, best offensive player at the very least, um, you know, in that game. And so it's kind of the responsibility falls more on him. So I'm curious, you know, when Tobias and Joel are back, if that's the case. But yeah, hunting a shot, you know, attacking the lane. He only took two threes or excuse me, three threes, made two of them. So five, eight inside the arc uh, was encouraging uh, 11 shots and I think 14 minutes, maybe I think 17, excuse me, uh, 14 or 17. I can't read 14 points in 17 minutes. I was getting my wires crossed there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you just saw him more aggressive in the postseason. You know, in the regular season, he took about 16 shots per 100 possessions. You know, in the postseason, it was up to about 18 and a half. So, and that's what you need because he's, you know, he's at worst the Sixers' third best offensive player. I don't know if I would say he's better than Tobias, but um, he's a very good offensive player regardless. And you, you want him taking shots because he's one of the best shooters in NBA history. He's got a little bit of off the bounce juice as well. You saw a really nice skip pass from him too for an Isaiah Joe three in the second quarter, which I liked. I don't know, like, I mean, that was one of the things too, right? The, the only really reliable source of offense in that Hawks series um, in the second half of it, you know, was either Joel at times, uh, and even he struggled, or the, the Joel Seth human game or Seth doing his own thing on the wing. So that was to see, you know, that really nice, you know, that skip pass because the Sixers have shooters. 
Um, they've got flaws offensively, but there's going to be guys open if, you know, if Joel and, and Seth draw attention or Tobias and Seth or, you know, Seth and Drummond, you know, and maybe some bench units. So uh, I was really impressed with Seth. You know, I, the defense, I didn't get a good read on, a great, great read on in, in the in the post, in the, in the, my goodness, in the preseason, I'm, I'm all over the place in the preseason. Um, but I liked, you know, he was active. He had a few steals, I think, you know, snuck up on the, you know, the Raptors a few times in the backcourt, if I recall. So um, really good start. And that's what you wanted to see. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the playoff run is just a springboard into, you know, continued aggression from Seth, which is, which is important. Um, you know, we're not gonna talk about Ben, but they need, they need somehow just collectively, you know, pick up the slack while Ben's out. And I think, you know, Seth continuing to be a, phenomenal offensive players even more confident in hunting a shot would be would be important for that and you saw that you, you saw the the start of that you know in in one preseason game yeah it's almost like um i i, I think what gives me confidence too that this is not just um the, like last the playoff run wasn't just um an aberration is is the i think doc has really empowered him to do more and doc is really like doc has joked about it often i think actually today at practice he said um, that Seth led the team in passed up shots last year, which I don't know if that was Doc being Doc or if that's something they actually track. Um, I can see either being true, and it and it's totally believable um, because it, it there were a lot of times where it seemed like Seth was passing up, you know, semi open threes. Which with him, how good he is, how great of a shooter he is, um, if he has any type of daylight, just let it fly. Uh, when you're that good of a shooter to me. And I do, I, I was also agreed with you. Like I'm re- really encouraged uh, by the off the dribble stuff. I mean, that's something that he's always took taken pride in. I know that's when he first got here, he, he, you know, was really harped on the fact I am not just a shooter. Um, I can do other things. I could play off the dribble. And doc said that too, when he got here, he said, you know, when he was, he killed us in, in LA, um, you know, when he was with Portland, he killed us uh, doing stuff off the dribble and her and, and Dallas and hurting us. Um, you know, not just from, from his three point shooting, it sets up the other parts of his game. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I was very encouraged by it too. You're, that pass you were talking about with that Isaiah Joe shot. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's next level stuff. I mean, that's, if, if he's able to combat an, aggr- an over aggressive closeout by getting into the paint and then finding shooters on the, out, on, on, you know, on the perimeter, that's, that adds a whole other dimension to his game. That adds a whole other dimension to the, to the offense. So um, that could be huge going forward. And I, I am curious, like you said, will it still be like that when, when Joel Embiid and when Tobias Harris return to the lineup? We'll see. Um, I, I'm curious to see where the relationship is, that two-man game with Joel Embiid and Seth Curry, where that is currently. You know, Hopefully we get to see that Thursday night. Um, very intrigued to see if that relationship is growing and where the chemistry is there. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but on the other side, we're going to talk about uh, the Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. Their kind of first night as the de facto point guards with Ben Simmons uh, not here. Then we're also going to touch on Isaiah Joe, who I thought had, had a really nice night the other night and um, was talked about today at practice. So, yeah, on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but we're going to pause for a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. And, you know, it's going to be talked about a lot, Jackson. Um, The Tyrese Maxey, it's already been the talk of camp every day. Tyrese Maxey um, taking over for now as the starting point guard for Ben Simmons. Um, For as long as that's the case, uh, I mean, I would anticipate – He's going to get the first crack to start the season. Will Doc pivot from that? We'll see. Uh, and then that trickle down of that is that Shake Milton is uh, basically in charge of the second unit. He is the point guard. He is the guy uh, leading that unit. So um, I, I thought Maxi was kind of a mixed bag on Monday. I think it with Doc, how Doc kind of categorized categorized his camp is how I view that game. Is he he wasn't he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. Um, you know, I thought he was a little tentative early, uh, whether that was, you know, adjusting to the position, maybe overthinking perhaps. And I thought as the game got on and he got a little bit of the rust knocked off and you saw a little bit of, you know, using his speed, um, and, and, and getting to the paint. And, and I thought he looked a little bit more comfortable as the game wore on shake. I, I really, I mean, he really struggled, um, from a ball handling perspective, he really struggled with the Raptors ball pressure and their length and their size. And um, yeah, I, I, I do worry about him. I think I actually worry about him a little bit more than I do Tyrese Maxey at this point, but I guess uh, just from your perspective, what you saw from both of those guys on Monday and, you know, making it clear, you know, we're not overreacting here to one preseason game, but just kind of your impressions and maybe where you are on both guys as the preseason wears on. Yeah, I thought I thought Tyrese got better as, as the game progressed. I thought he got more comfortable in, in figuring things out. Um, because as Doc's talked about and he's talked about, it's a big difference going from, you know, the bench spark plug whose primary goal is to just get two feet in the paint and make stuff happen to being the guy who runs the offense. And oh, by the way, you're running the offense without your two best players to, you know, to help to help you along in that journey right now. Um, you know, the Raptors we talked about a lot of long, rangy wings, Scotty Barnes was picking him up. You know, what three quarters of the court, you know, a lot of times. Um, and, and Tyrese doesn't isn't doesn't have a bad handle, but he's not super dynamic with. I think you saw him kind of struggle at times to just get to where he wanted to initiate, you know, possession. Um, but yeah, um, you know, had I think he had a nice, like a nice change of pace at one point in the first half to like didn't do a little finger roll. Uh, another point he settled for a deep floater. It might have been late in the clock, but I thought he could have gotten deeper. So uh, would have been nice for one of his two threes to go down. Um, but you saw him at least kind of experiment with a little bit more creativity off the bounce, getting to pull up jumpers. So that was encouraging. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree in general. Like I, I didn't take away a ton from, from the game from Tyrese besides the fact that, you know, teams are probably going to pressure him a lot uh, and he's going to have to figure out how to work around that to get the Sixers into the, the, the spots and the possessions they need. Uh, but shake. Yeah. It just felt like kind of a continuation of last year when things weren't going well for him really forcing the issue. He would want to lower that left or right shoulder into a guy's chest and try and get to his spots. Unfortunately, shake isn't that he's not really a strength based guard. So that doesn't work very often for him. Uh, so that was, that was a bummer. I did really like he had a I can't remember who, I think it was Furcon. He had a really nice pass to Furcon in the first half. Furcon cut from the corner and shake had a nice like look away, you know, uh, live dribble pass there for an and one, I believe. 
but it was more of the same from shake. Like we saw last year when things were going poorly and uh, you know, it was, I think it was, it was, I wouldn't, I don't even know if it's surprising because you have to take all of camp talk with a grain of salt, but, but doc had really talked shake up during, during camp. And he did the same last year and you know, shake off to a great start. It looked really, really, you know, prescient from, from doc, but this year that was not the case. So, uh, and some of it too is like, I think at this point it's in, I don't want to be too hasty with, you know, my declarations, but it feels like the on-ball role isn't really suitable for Shake. I think he's better as an off-ball guy. And we'll, we'll see. We'll give him more time to kind of maybe showcase some of the improvements that he addressed in the offseason. But it just doesn't really seem to be his game. So uh, I, I agree with you that, you know, Max was up and down. I think you saw some things that he'll definitely have to adjust to as he continues to grow into a starting point guard role as a 20-year-old. Uh, but Shake, it, it just felt like a continuation of, you know, most of the second half of last year when he wasn't, you know, really a worthwhile a guy who was worthy of being in the rotation so um things could change you know they'll play the raptors again maybe they'll get joel and tobias back and things will be a little easier for both he and tyrese but it's hard to feel very optimistic about shake um given kind of the way he ended last year and you know this first preseason game which is only one game but uh, it was not maybe what you wanted to hear after or see excuse me after what we'd heard you know during training camp and there were you you touched on the the pass to Furcon, which I did think was a really nice find. And I thought from a passing perspective, actually, he was better than I remembered um, when I went back and looked at it. But yeah, I, I with Shake, it's 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 been really the thing. I think since the bubble, really, the the word was like pressure him, uh, pressure him full court, and he'll struggle. And unfortunately, that's 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 followed him. And um, and that's not to say, and I think you and I are on the same page. Like I, I still think he can absolutely fill a role as an off-ball player. Like, and I think he could be a pretty damn good one off a team's bench. Um, and maybe, maybe you know, he can handle the ball as a secondary guy, but not as a primary guy. Um, so, I, like, I actually think um, I would have liked to see more of Maxi and Milton together last year. And I think if they were to get a starting caliber point guard one way or the other this season. Um, I still like the idea of Maxi and Milton as a backcourt um, off the bench. I, I think that actually intrigues me um, a little bit, but yeah, I, 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 I do wonder if that is, you know, cause it's not just us reacting to one game, right? I mean, it, it is, it, it's, it's a continuation of last season, like you already said. And um, I, I think shake has the ability to kind of score in bunches as we've seen in the past. That's kind of what he does. So um playing more off the ball, I think is better suited for that. If that makes sense, because you're not relying on him to bring the ball up. You're not relying on him to create a ton of offense, but if he's feeling good, you can. Um, but if he's not feeling that good, then he's more of a spot up guy, which his numbers historically have been really good as uh, you know, last year was a weird year for him, but historically his numbers are really good as a, as a spot up catch and shoot. And he shooter. still shot 38 0.8% on spot on catching two threes go. last year. Like, I mean, a lot of his efficiency was totally tanked by the pull up threes that he yeah. only 26% of. So you definitely see the, the potential as a guy who's taking more catch and shoot threes than he probably had had last year. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think, you know, I think he's put in a spot right now where he has to be the on ball guy because they just, they just lack options. Um, but I would like to see at some point his focus and the team's focus be on developing him more as an off ball player. And I think, like I said, I, I think that's a role he could thrive in. And um, I, I would be intrigued to see what he could add. I, I think he's an NBA rotation player uh, for sure. And 
just just not a point guard I and mean, quite frankly uh but we'll see uh like you, you know maybe you know maybe he surprises us maybe it was just some rust he had to knock off in game one and maybe he comes out and looks much better you know the the, the next three nights he's going to get plenty of opportunities you would think over the next three three preseason games to turn it around um we'll, we'll surely get plenty of minutes no matter what no matter who's playing no matter what the case is so um definitely a wait and see. I, I would i would add quickly i think you know you mentioned that like they needed him to play that like on monday yeah they did because they didn't have tobias and they didn't and drummond was starting they didn't have joel but i think a lot of this also falls on doc's you know penchant for these bench heavy lineups right like like you can play shake as an off-ball guy if you keep you know seth and or tobias you know with the bench lineup you let, or you let maxi run with the bench lineup um like let shake take a bunch of spot threes let him attack close-ups and get to that mid-range jumper that he loves those, those little leaners and crafty plays that he, he was really good at to start last season. So um, I don't want to cut you off there, but I do think some of it, you know, falls on doc, you know, better, you know, structuring lineups that, you know, suit what shaped as well offensively rather than saying, we're going to put four bunch guys out there and the one defensive minded starter or something and shake you up to create. Like, that's just not his game. We have ample evidence at this point. I think he could really do well and a different role. And it's kind of a bummer that they I mean, again, I want to see what things look like with the full you know, complement of, of players. And you know, maybe that doesn't even happen until a Ben Simmons trade falls. But it was a little disappointing for them to watch all of last year and say, OK, Shake, you're going to continue to have to create. Like, it's just not his game. I would have liked to see them, you know, maybe try and tailor him in off ball role, let, like use these preseason games to get him reps as an off ball score. And we didn't see that. So Shake has his own faults. But I think a lot of this falls on, you know, on Doc, on Doc and, and, and better, you know, constructing you know lineups and rotational patterns that that suit you know the skill sets of his players and recognizing what those those skill sets are i think that's a really fair point uh, i do uh I, if you watch shake last year uh, you i mean you know i i don't see how you could have been confident that he could have filled the role that he's currently filling right now and that's not a knock on shake it's just a matter of not you know what you already touched on is not playing to a guy's strengths uh by asking him to fill a role that maybe he's not best suited for. And I think he could thrive. Like, you know, like I already said, I think he could thrive in an off ball role. So it is disappointing that it doesn't seem to be the case that that's going to happen, at least to start the season. It looks pretty clear that um, Tyrese Maxey is going to get the run with the stars and it'll be shake Milton leading the the second unit. I mean, I, I know some people that I, that, you know, on the beat were a little surprised that doc has, in a way kind of handed this role to Maxi and had shake as the bench guy, like maybe kind of to your point, maybe if you started shake, that takes a little bit of pressure off of him because you have so many other options offensively, uh, whether it's Seth, whether it's Tobias, whether it's Joel, and that could just take a little bit of, of, of pressure off of shake. And then Tyrese can kind of run the second unit and just kind of, you know, do his thing. And maybe there's like a little bit, you know, he could play with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more loosely because he doesn't have to worry about, Oh, I have to get to buy some ball or, Oh, I have to get to Joel the ball. He can kind of just do his thing um, and, and create on his own and use his speed and, and, and everything to his advantage. Um, him and Andre Drummond in the pick and roll will be very interesting to watch um, over the course of the season. So um, yeah, I, I mean, and that's not to say that that couldn't still happen. Uh, Doc Rivers could very well, change his mind and maybe want to get a look at that. Cause he he's even kind of said that this starting lineup isn't written in ink. Uh, it, it could change and it could change depending on, on matchups as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a ton of optimism 
for Shake as a as a as a point guard. I have I have optimism for him as an NBA player, as an off ball player that can help you know provide bench scoring, but I don't see it um, as a point guard. Um, one guy who's really who's I guess right now you would say you know pretty firmly on the outside looking in when we're talking about starters, we're talking about the second unit, um, you know, uh, kind of an eleventh guy I guess you would say right now is Isaiah Joe, and I. I was impressed with him on Monday night. I thought he stood out in a game again, where not many people stood out. I thought he did uh, both ends of the floor uh, defensively he chucked up eight threes and um, made a really nice backdoor cut that Drummond hit him on. And he finished with a dunk, uh, you know, as much as, yeah, that was a nice play by Seth. I think Isaiah understanding the spacing in that play and finding that little, that little spot to, to get open and, and make himself available to Seth um, is encouraging. So, yeah, a lot of things that I, I liked from Isaiah Joe and um, Doc talked today at practice about, you know, trying to find a way to get him on the floor more. I know some people ran with that on Twitter. were like, well, he's the coach. You can just throw him in there. It's like, well, no, I think what he meant was he's happy with the starters. He's happy with the second unit. So how does he get Joe reps without taking reps away from somebody else? I think that's what he was kind of inferring by saying that. But we're, I guess, um, you know, first what your uh, impression was of, of Joe from Monday night. And do you see a path to minutes? Do you think he, he potentially could get a look from doc rivers at some point in the season? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because when the, when, when I, when I saw you re, your reporter tweet that, you know, doc was complimentary of Joe and they want to find him more minutes. I, I can't help but think back to last year when doc had said that Isaiah Joe had worked his way in the rotation and then, he maybe got what two or three more games the rest of the year in the rotation. I think it was that. I think it was like the next game. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Uh, it was very contradictory. I know there's a lot that goes into coaching, but it. It's you know at this point, you, I, I got to see it from Doc that he believes in Isaiah Joe rather than just saying it. But but yeah, I was impressed, and you know I tweeted during that game, and you know maybe it's something that I've maintained throughout you know even part of this last year and you know, over the off season that. Like I think there's a case to be made that Isaiah Joe could be more valuable to the rotation than Shake, and that's that's not because I don't think Shake could play the same role that Isaiah Joe could. They're both good shooters who you know maybe struggle with other with other aspects, but Doc doesn't really seem for them to have the same role offensively. Whereas Isaiah, when he's in the game with other rotation players, he's an off-ball shooter. Um, he gets some point of attack reps defensively, which he's very good. Like I think he's a pretty dang good you know navigator of screen, which is important as a, as a non-ball defender. Um, despite not being super strong, he's very physical, which helps as well. Um, you know, moves his hips quickly, you know, cuts off angles for guys, which helps. Um, so I think there's definitely ideally a path for him to be a, a useful rotation player because, uh, I mean, he and Furcon have like the two quickest triggers on the team, I think from three, maybe I'm forgetting anyone, but, um, I mean, it's basically those two, right. And, and that, and they need that around, you know, Tobias and Joel and, you know, depending on who they, and they needed last year around Ben. Um, and maybe they still need it depending on who, you know, who Ben, you know, garners in the return um, if he is dealt or when he is dealt, however you prefer to term that. Um, so I think he definitely makes sense as, as basically just a three and D guy. You know, he took a ton of threes last year per 36 minutes, got up 10 threes exactly, um, shot just about 37%, uh, only shot 33% on twos, which is not ideal. Um, doesn't really get to the rim, but I don't, like I think as a spot up guy, you can, you know, shoot on the move as well and is a, is a pretty useful defender in, in certain roles. I think there's absolutely a path to him getting minutes. I don't, I don't feel great about it coming to fruition, just given that I think he'd probably 
you know, either usurp Sheik or Furkan. Um, I don't play, I think Furkan is, they need Furkan for what he brings, his off-ball movement, his quick trigger. Uh, and the fact that Sheik, you know, seems to be, I don't, I don't know exactly how to, how to phrase it, but Doc seems to have some sort of affinity for Sheik. Um, I know he hasn't always been a, he hasn't always been a prominent player in the rotation, but, um, you know, still got run in game seven against the Hawks. And that, you know, with all due respect to Sheik, he hadn't played up to that standard. So um, I'm a little doubtful, but I but I think it's something they should try because if he if he hits threes, uh, the defense is going to be there. I think and you know he's a smart team defender as well. I think it, it really makes sense to give him a give him a chance. His on ball defense has been I, much better than I thought it was going to be at this level. Um, he's been he's been every chance he has gotten. Um, he he has never looked out of place on that end of the floor, which is saying an awful lot for you know. I think he's what 21 now and he's 20 last year playing, uh, you know, his first full NBA season only played, uh, you know, limited time at Arkansas. I mean, it's, it, it was really impressive to see his um, like you already mentioned for a, for a smaller guy, the way he navigates screens, the way he can just anticipate and beat guys to spots. Like that's, that's a skill that defensively, that's not, it's not something that's, how do I put it? Like it not basically not every guy has it. Um, and to have it for him at this level already, it, it's pretty damn impressive. And offensively, as you already mentioned, the shot is there. The, the quick trigger is there. Uh, clearly he needs to learn the NBA game a little bit, you know, get more comfortable when it comes to spacing with off ball movement, uh, comfortable with the players around him. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I just saw Derek Bodner of the athletic. He just posted something about the idea of, um, you know, Isaiah Joe and Joel Embiid had never really played together uh, be- because basically Isaiah Joe was playing in garbage time or, you know, w- with a bench unit when he was playing and he didn't get much time with Joel Embiid, but could there be something there with those two, uh, you know, a two, a two man kind of game, um, especially since we saw, you know, Joel, you know, you don't want to rely on Isaiah Joe for playmaking ability. You don't want him you know, handing the ball a ton, but I think he has proven that he's not inept in that area. Like he, he can, you know, dribble a little bit. He can find a, you know, he can hit a pocket pass every now and then. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, some dribble handoff stuff with Joel would, would kind of intrigue me a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe we see that Thursday night. Maybe we don't, but uh, I do have to call you out Jackson because in your bell ringer <laughs> post, how does Isaiah Joe not get any love, I, man? Yeah, I I to, I think I just like settled in on a, on a few guys before the game really get out of reach, and then I think Isaiah played well in his first stint, but then maybe hit a couple of threes. You know, once the game was really 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 out of hand. I mean, it was out of hand basically from the midway through the second quarter on. But yeah, I just he just escaped my mind. So for anyone listening who saw that and took exception, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I will acknowledge it in, in Thursday's bell ringer. I'll give Isaiah Joe a shout out for his previous game, but. Yeah, just totally an omission on my on my behalf there. So I apologize to <laughs> the other Isaiah Joe supporters and Isaiah Joe himself if he listens to the podcast or reads Liberty Ballers. But yeah, I think you know you mentioned some of the ball skills there, and you mentioned kind of never really playing with Joel. Like you go back and watch summer league, they I mean, and you watch the times that Isaiah runs. You know, when the game is out of hand, they like to give him some ball handling reps. Like there's clearly some sort of belief in that becoming a a part of his game in some capacity from the coaching staff. And so really liked what he did in. Um, in, in summer league at times, had some really creative ways to like get into the paint despite not being very strong or even very like quick. Um, like everybody had one play where he like went behind the back to like split like a, a trap or a hedge in one summer league game, had a really nifty like behind the back pass to Phil Petrushev on one play. Um, so as I mentioned, like there's at least something there, right? Like I think you at least have the the groundwork, you know, 
potentially laid with Joel to run those two man actions. And um, Isaiah is such a good, smart off ball mover. Uh, so I, I really like kind of what he could bring again, you know, some of it is the, is the physicality and you're, you're getting there physically. Um, you know, I wouldn't say physicality because he has that, but it's just getting there physically and having the strength and the balance to withstand play inside the arc because he just hasn't really been a very good inside the arc player, you know, offensively throughout his career. And you have to kind of be able to handle those sorts of rigors when you're running dribble handoffs. Um, I think you can get there. Um, but you know, when you look at it through the lens of, you know, what can you do offensively in a rotation spot beyond, you know, hit some movement threes and spot up threes and be a good defender, um, which are useful things. I think I could still be worthy of a low end rotation spot, but more than that, you kind of have to look at those things. And um, yeah, just to know Isaiah is 22. Now he was 21 last right. year. Um, that up too. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't remember if he was 21 or 22, but, but yeah, uh, I kind of, I really like what he can bring. And I just, I've largely been impressed by what, by what he can do. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, getting a little better on the margins, but I, but even now, like I, like I think there's absolutely a chance he is worthy of, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th uh, man in the rotation, which has value. And I think just those quick triggers are, are important for the Sixers. Yeah. The, the age thing. I mean, that's still, I mean, that's so young, uh, 22 years old going into the season. I mean, that's, he's still such a young guy and I agree with you. I think I, they clearly see some untapped stuff there with, with as far as playmaking and ball handling. So um, it's intriguing that they, that they kind of gave him that, that rope a little bit in, in, in summer league and allowed him to do that. Um, it may, it does make you wonder, you know, what, the, how, how much they think he can develop in that regard. Um, he is, I will say he is skinny. You know, <laughs> we talked to him today. He's a skinny, he's still a skinny guy. I mean, he, and again, that goes, you know, he's young. He's a young guy only played in the NBA one season. Um, I think he did say he added a little bit of weight this off season, but he's still, he's still a pretty skinny dude. So, um, but yeah, the fact that he is like you already talked about the fact that he is so physical and, and so willing to kind of mix it up. Um, that's super encouraging. And, you know, defense, so much of defense is just flat out like effort and, and wanting to do it. And I think that part of the equation he already has, which is a, a, an outstanding um, sign for a young player, but we're going to wrap things up on that note. I want to thank Jackson Frank for hopping on today on the coming in for a landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers podcast network. I want to say uh, thank you all so much for, uh, for listening. Please rate, download, subscribe wherever you download your podcast. And I uh, appreciate all of you for checking out the pod and we will talk to you next time. Cool. Whew. Yeah, thank you no very worries. much, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I, I am so I'm so bummed I left off Isaiah Joe I, as someone who's been a proponent of the game. I feel like I, I let funny. him down, let my, let my own brand as an NBA analyst down. But uh, he'll get a shot on on Thursdays. I'll make make sure. Hopefully, he plays well again, and we it'll be it'll be he'll get double shot.